Okay, well, as we come to the end of our day here, I, I warned you at the beginning, this was going to be a lot. You know, it's huge what we're asked to practice with here. But the, I really want to keep it simple. It's basically taking all of these Buddhist teachings, many of which you've heard of before, and using them rather than as philosophies or something you read about in a book, but actually practicing with them, recognizing them in our experience, and really uh, discovering how to relate wisely to them. What, what are the ways we usually relate? How does that cause us suffering? And how do we choose, create the intention, cultivate the possibility of relating wisely? And it's really being an active participant in our practice. All of these different ways of practicing. You know, no one right way, but many choices of right ways. All of the different ways into practice. But it's all about development. And, you know, the basic thrust, a lot of it was letting go of the unwholesome, the unskillful ways we call suffering, and cultivating the wholesome. That's a big thrust. And then as we're more familiar with that, the mind is getting trained, then we turn it to wisdom and we see how to let go, how to understand. And hopefully you've had a sense of you're already doing this. I mean, anytime you relate skillfully to experience, anytime you cultivate wholesome states of mind or recognize a hindrance and let it go, this is the, the realm of the um, fourth foundation. And so there's this natural progression that happens uh, as, the, as the training continues, as our wisdom and understanding continues, we can start to see the subtleties and complexities. And it's like a jigsaw puzzle or some thing that's, that's very uh, uh, tangled. And we're just untangling it one piece at a time, getting a little clearer, a little uh, a, a step at a time. And it's just an amazing map for our practice. I mean, there's no end to the depth that this can take us to and the deepening of our understanding. And again, what I find is amazing is, you know, the Buddha just spoke this, I presume, extemporaneously. He didn't do it from notes. He didn't have Wikipedia to reference or a database to kind of track everything, but sat down and just said, if you want to travel this path from confusion to freedom, here's the map. Here's the way you do it. And there are all of these different ways. And each one of us will find a doorway that's different from someone else's doorway. There's no one right way or for each of us only sort of one way in. That at different times in our path and practice will relate to different aspects of these teachings in different ways. So that's also what I want to um, expand for you is we can sometimes be kind of limited. We think we know what meditation is. This is what it looks like. Or we think we don't know what it is. We have, don't have a clue. And yet somewhere on this map we can find ourselves. Somewhere on this map we can find a way in to connect and just see where am I struggling? What's the reactivity here? How am I holding on? What, where's the craving? Where's the clinging? What am I taking to be permanent that's not permanent? to ask these kind of investigation questions and see, does the mind release a little? Does the mind find a way to let go? Then, of course, the, it does, the, this sutta doesn't end with this training in the fourth foundation of mindfulness. It actually has a whole conclusion 
that Analayo calls the prediction. And this basically means, if you practice in this way, what will happen? So I'll read it to you. Monks or practitioners, if anyone should develop these four satipatthanas in such a way for seven years, seven years, how long have you been practicing? I've been practicing for 30 years. One of two fruits should, could be expected for him or her, either final knowledge here and now, or if there is a trace of clinging left, non-returning. This is on page 13 of the book, or in your handout, the last page. Trace of clinging left, non-returning. So that means basically full enlightenment, uh, arhant, or non-returning means you're reborn in your next birth into a heaven realm and your enlightenment takes place there. So basically pretty far along. So seven years. Let alone seven years, six years, five years, four years, three years, two years, one year, seven months, six months, five months, four months. In the actual text, it would be repeating all those lines and all the ellipses, the dots. Seven months, six months, five months, four months, three months, two months, one month, half a month. If anyone should develop these four satipatthanas in such a way for seven days, one of two fruits could be expected, either final knowledge here and now, or if there's a trace of clinging left, non-returning. So it was, in reference to this, it was said, Monks, this is the direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of dukkha and discontent, for acquiring of the true method, for the realization Nibbana, namely the four Satipatthanas. That is what the Blessed One said. The monks were satisfied and delighted with the Blessed One's words. So there you have it, seven days. What are you waiting for? We often say that we should advertise our retreats as enlightenment guaranteed. The Buddha said it, seven days. But I think what he's pointing to is this, where's my chart? A mind that can practice in all of these ways at this kind of depth for seven days without break, you know, no bathroom breaks, no, you know, nap time. It's like that kind of mindfulness. So, you know, it seems a little daunting, but it's also inspiring that he says just seven days can do this and that it's possible to have that level of freedom. So both are kind of true. It, it shows both the breadth and the depth and the challenge of this path, but that it's doable. And in the Buddha's time, people got enlightened in hearing teachings like this and practicing in this way and have continued to do so for these 2,500 years. That's the amazing thing, that this is possible, that it's doable for us. And even if it's not non-returner or full enlightenment, to really see, as I said, this is the way this path goes. If it's not going in that direction, and I don't mean that it's always getting better and better all the time, and we're always feeling great, but that we have a sense that we are discovering more freedom. There is more balance or more ease, or we have a sense of that possibility for ourselves, even if it's not perhaps manifesting. Because we can go through dark nights of the soul and you know, practice can bring stuff up. That's the, the point of practice sometimes, is to let us see the nature of the mind and how lost we can be. But in that we found a path 
And again, that's what makes it noble, that we found a path and found a way out of suffering. And so that's what I love about these teachings, is it starts from this very simple mindfulness. Just breathe and know you're breathing. And goes into this depth of understanding that where wisdom and experience are just intertwined. It's not philosophical or um, uh, ideological or, or speculative. It's grounded in this experience. If you look at experience through the lens of mindfulness, this is what you'll see. And as the Buddha said again and again, ehi pasiko, come and see for yourself. So you're on the path. As Bhikkhu Bodhi says, there are only two things you need to do to be successful. You ready? Write this down. Start and keep going. (laughs) It's that simple. So I just want to spend a few minutes talking about how to continue your You're here because you have an appreciation of these teachings. Hopefully I haven't turned you off to these teachings, but there's still appreciation. Um, How to continue, because as I said at the beginning, I really value understanding the direct teachings as best we can know the words of the Buddha and seeing that 2,500 years later, they still apply. We can still learn from them. Here at Spirit Rock, we have a number of avenues um, from a day long like this, uh, a great class series to do if you're able to come out here is called Essential Dharma, where they have, it's, a, it's done in semesters and there are three 10-week sessions of uh, classes that go through this kind of material in a very systematic way in a class format. There's a retreat that I often lead called Living Dharma. We do it once a year and it's a study retreat where again we'll take something like the Four Foundations or the Four Noble Truths or the Eightfold Path or the three characteristics, and in a retreat environment, practice with them, study them. There'll be interactive sessions, but also guided meditations and periods of silence. There'll be texts that we read. Um, This day long and the other day longs were recorded, and someone at some point is going to tell us how to access them. I presume Sean might come in even now because he listens and tells us there's maybe a code on Dharma Seed, Here he is. See, it's a miracle. I'm psychic and he's psychic. How do we listen to them? How do we get a hold of them, Sean? Um, Well, it's up to you um, if you'd like them publicly available or just for participants. I don't think there was it. Well, I mean, part of we, the, the people's comments were also recorded, but names weren't usually used. There's no way of identifying. Is anyone uncomfortable with them being publicly available? I know some people have left but kind of given up. So I think publicly is okay. So they'll so, just be... Yeah, so if you go to dharmaseed.org, um, you can find uh, her talks probably on the front page this week because wow. they're uploaded yeah. through the date. But I have uh, slips of paper. I'll put them on the back of the table, and um, it has the website address. And what about for the other day-longs? Are they also available? Yeah, I think your first day-long and also... Um, Donald Rothberg's day on the third foundation are up, but I believe Sharda Rogel did not want her talks on the second foundation uploaded. So not even uploaded, even privately? Yeah, yeah. I, think, I, I don't think we even recorded Okay. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Sean. So... Um, most of it then is up there. The other great resources, I said, Joseph Goldstein has given 47 talks on the Satipatthana, and they're all up there. 
um, on Dharma Seed. So you can listen to those. He's um, uh, creating a book out of them that probably it'll take about another six months to be out, but it'll be available. And then in a, in a bigger context is, uh, or sort of more ambitious or more uh, bigger commitment is the dedicated practitioners program that I spoke about. As I said, Maggie and Tony are in that. I think they're the only people here who are in that program. But it's a two-year program w with five retreats where we, again, take these kind of teachings and really work with them on the retreat format. It's a non-silent retreat. They're interactive, experiential. But in between, there's monthly homework and classes and interviews with a teacher and mentoring. So it's a very rich program. And um, DPP-5 will begin in spring of 2014. So again, if that's something that's possible for you, you need 50 days of residential retreat time to um, apply to be in the program. Really recommend it. Um, and, I, you know, uh, just other, you know, there are other things. We have a, a I usually bring up a copy, there's not one up here, but there's a long, thin brochure called Paths to Awakening that kind of lists some of the different curriculum things that people can do if you want to keep um, a study kind of component going. A few people mentioned wanting to continue the Dharma Buddy relationship, just have to have people to connect with after this. How many people might be interested in that? So a handful. So maybe at the end you can just stay back and find each other and figure out a way to do that. If that works for you, I think it's great. Online, bulletin boards, someone was going to create that and maybe it's accessible for, for more people to be involved. So at the end when we finish, we can do that. So any other last questions or comments about today or the practice or going forward? We'll wrap up. I just want to thank you. Um, I have been working on this Analeo book for a couple of years mm. and, um, you know, trying to understand it. And it felt like you just took it and made it understandable. Oh, <laughs> so you. very appreciated. Great. So thank thank you. you. Yeah, it is complex and it's hard to do it on your own in isolation. It really helps to have it you know, more alive and present moment. So thanks, that's the intention. When is your next um, uh, Living Dharma study retreat? Um, what's you the topic? Huh? And what's the topic? We did the Eightfold Path. I'm not doing it next year, so that's why I'm a little fuzzy. It's on the schedule. If you look in the newsletter, there'll be a 2013 uh, schedule. Max has it right there. It's usually May or August. It's in definitely in the first six months or eight months of the year. And what? what I mean, the, four, the four foundations of mindfulness: is study and practice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But so maybe they changed the name. Even oh. they don't call it Living Dharma. But that's it. The four. No, they're doing the four foundations of mindfulness. In when <laughs> Andrea, is it? Uh, that's May thirteenth to May nineteenth. So in so May Temple of next Smith year. And it's a great hello, retreat. Hello. Andrea. And Temple Smith. Yeah. Thirteen. No, that's thirteen. Yeah, May May of thirteen. DPP is in fourteen. Spring of fourteen, beginning. Applications in summer of next year. Okay. So, um, as I said uh, earlier, just to let you know that 
these were these day longs that most of the teachings here at Spirit Rock are done on this basis of generosity, a lot of generosity on Spirit Rock's part. The the um, the fees that they, we do charge for day longs and retreats don't cover all of our expenses. We're always relying on donations from people like you who appreciate this place to help us continue. We're actually in the middle of a capital campaign to replace these aging trailers with a beautiful meditation hall. So I really encourage you to participate in that if you're able. And actually there's a great event happening this evening if you want to just go get some lunch, the dinner, and come back. I think it starts at 6 o'clock. No, it's 6 to 8. Yeah, 6 to 8 in the Upper Retreat Hall. Jack and Sylvia will be here. It should be a great event uh, celebrating our 25th anniversary and um, fundraising for this uh, capital campaign. So there's flyers about that. Really encourage you to attend that if, you, uh, if you're interested. And lots of great events here. You can see flyers about that. Um, last thing to say before we do our closing dedication of merit, when you leave here, there's instructions about how to leave, to travel safely on Sir Francis Drake. Please follow them. Um, I live in Woodacre, I'm here every day, and I see many people ignoring them, both to their danger, but also um, it creates really bad feelings in our local community. People, you know, have to slam on their brakes, they can see the uh, unmindfulness of people leaving. And it's actually a, a big consideration, a big issue for us because we're in this campaign uh, planning, getting planning permits from the county and a lot of the uh, issues are around traffic. So please, you turn right out of Spirit Rock and you have to sort of go in the opposite direction to the way you probably want to go, but it takes about two minutes longer. So please take those two minutes. Okay, let's just sit for a final uh, minute or two of closing dedication of merit. So we've all chosen to spend <clears throat> a day that could have been done in any number of ways. It was a beautiful fall day, uh, all of the beauties of the Bay Area around us for hiking or biking or visiting friends or movies or whatever. We chose to spend it sharing the Dhamma. There's a real wholesomeness to that intention and that wish and this practice. Even if there were moments of confusion or sleepiness or doubt or resistance, the actual sense of presence that you cultivated here, the interest and love of the Dhamma that was strengthened, these are really wonderful mind moments to recognize and to appreciate. So we just recognize that whatever it feels like right now, this has been a wholesome action and that much good, much merit has been cultivated today. And so we appreciate that for ourselves. But as an act of generosity, choose not to keep the benefit and the merit of that wholesomeness of our actions of thought, word, and deed just for ourselves, but to offer them for the well-being of all the other participants here and the people who've supported us today, but all beings everywhere, so that our practice, our intentions, and even our lives can benefit not just ourselves, as we deepen in kindness and compassion, but really radiate out and be the source of benefit 
and well-being, of happiness and contentment, and even freedom for all beings everywhere. May our practice be for the benefit, well-being, and awakening for all beings everywhere.